All right, Hawks fans and hoop ball fans, we have a special hoop ball promo. This is big, real big, like Manny Fresh, house real big, car real big, daddy. Anyway, before I start singing and dancing in the booth to a New Orleans classic, this is a huge week for everyone at hoop ball because all of our 2020-2021 NBA season products are finally for sale. These hoop ball products are the best in the business. So listen up. Here's what's out. The draft guide. This is our flagship, our shining beacon like Superman. The most comprehensive draft guide in fantasy sports. Our guys went 400 players deep again this year. A future access pass to the Brewski 150 is also out. If you don't know what the Brewski 150 is... You need to know now. It's the fantasy draft list that has beaten every other list for the last decade. Decade. And new for this year, Hoopball is unveiling our new monthly membership plans. I'll try to keep this part short as much as I can. We have the fantasy pass, which includes the draft guide, the Brewski 150, and also the new DFS pass and all of our in-season premium tools. The DFS Pass is also available on its own, if that's your thing. We have the new wager pass for our sports bettors out there who want picks and analysis. And we have the HoopBall 360. The sucker has all of the stuff above, plus even earlier access to the Brewski 150. So head to hoop-ball.com or follow at HoopBallFantasy on Twitter now. Right now. Like, go on Twitter right after you hear this to learn more and get yours today. If you want to succeed in sports betting and your fantasy basketball leagues this year, this is a no-brainer. Again, go to Twitter right now at HoopBallFantasy or go to Hoop-Ball.com and get right today. The following is a Hoop Bowl presentation. Yo, 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 what is up, y'all? Uh, we got a little Hoop Ball collaboration yet again. Uh, we got myself, Corbin, uh, Hoop Ball, uh, NBA Today, we got Bradley uh, over here from Hoopball Hawks, we got Lawrence from Hoopball Mavs, and you know, we just been sitting here talking for a bit now about the draft. Uh, we're in the second round as we're recording this, and, and we just got thoughts, and we just gonna dump them out here and just kind of talk it through uh, alongside some expert thoughts from these guys on their respective teams, but let's just get started, man. I mean, we were talking about this before we hit live, uh, my friends here, but we, we had uh, the Bulls with uh, Patrick Williams at four. And I thought that was interesting, but like I, I really want to hike it back to the Warriors and Lamelo and what happened with that two-three switch in terms of the Warriors targeting Wiseman, even with the news that we got just before they went to draft about uh, Clay Thompson injuring his uh, lower leg uh, during a workout, and it really does seem to be an Achilles uh, injury. Like, how do we feel about that? I mean, I, I think the Warriors couldn't deviate from what, from what they originally planned in their draft. I mean, it would be easy to say, you know, with with the recent news, let's switch it up and maybe take LaMelo or maybe look at getting another guard. 
but I think they still did what was best because ultimately Clay Thompson is still a long-term um, part of their um, organization. I can mm-hmm. see if he was like in a contract dispute or, or nearing the end of his contract and they didn't know which direction they were going to go, but I think they firmly uh, support having him long-term. So you still stay with what you have already built out for your for your draft plan. And I, I thought Wiseman was a perfect pick in terms of what they need, in terms of fit, in terms of skill set. And, I mean, playing up under Draymond and, and having his tutelage, to me it was a win-win. I mean, whatever flaws people may have had of him, I've heard rumors about he um, questioning his motor, questioning his uh, dedication, de- uh, questioning his uh, focus, which to me is just, you know, all of that is just part of being young. Th- those things can be trained and uh, honed as you as you go along. But who better to learn from than a firecracker like Draymond Green? I mean, you learned, <laughs> you learned under a guy like that, and it's, it, it's the perfect fit for him. And ultimately, I think that's a built-in um, – a built-in growth process that will help him to be even better than what maybe people thought he was. So I think he will maximize his potential playing in a system with the um, Warriors. I, I certainly agree with your uh, sentiments, Lawrence, especially uh, with a lot of people, you know, question his drive, question and his passion. I mean, the guy missed out on playing college basketball with his friends under his high school coach in, in Penny Hardaway in Memphis in his home state. So he's hungry and, where else to go when you're hungry and driven than to the Warriors who are hungry and driven to get back to winning ways, even with the loss of Clay Thompson, which I know certainly we hope you, you get well. We hope that what we heard is not what it is, but Wiseman is going to be a wonderful fit. As you said, rim protector can score. I think he, I think out of the bigs, he's the best scoring big that we'll have in the draft, especially with his ability to shoot the jump shot. Uh, the fadeaway jumper, and I think if he continue to expand his range, especially in this system, it'll only just improve his value. And just like you said, learn from Draymond, learn from Steve Kerr, being in a system where he doesn't have to be the guy; he's just going to be a the, a piece of a puzzle. He'll be very, I think he'll be very, very efficient at his role in Golden State. So I'm excited for it, and even with rumors, obviously that seem to be coming true about Clay Thompson. You don't, like Lawrence alluded to, you don't deviate from your draft strategy, especially when you've culminated this draft board for months and months and months, and I'll add another mm. month uh, <laughs> to that, just because of an unfortunate situation. And there still can be moves as far as trading. They can still do things in free agency. Um, and, and you still have Andrew Wiggins at this point. I know if they could be shopping him or not, but you still have Wiggins. And with Wiseman, it's kind of the bridge for this older core to have won championships. And they're not getting younger, certainly. And Wiseman could be that piece to kind of bridge the gap for the future. So I, I love the pick. Um, if they went LaMelo, I could see that as well. But Wiseman was the best fit for the uh, for the Warriors. Sorry, at two. I feel you on that. I thought that going in heavily. I mean, he... He seemed like someone who fit perfectly what they needed in terms of a high upside version of what they had from that big position with JaVale McGee, with Zaza Pachulia, with a lot more upside. So I was all on it. But then once, you know, the injury news came, I was like, okay, you know what? Although this is good, is it easier to just churn in another center into your system, a Willie Cauley-Stein again, or a Nerlens Noel or something like that, than it is to potentially have to replace uh, Clay Thompson again? you know, for another year where with Draymond and Steph Curry, you can't kick it down the can again. 
I mean, it's at least not optimal. So I was definitely leaning toward, okay, take LaMelo, see how that goes. Worst case scenario, you pull a D'Angelo Russell trade midseason to kind of supplement your team a little bit. But um, yeah, no, that makes a lot of sense. I'm right there with you on that. Uh, you guys have talked me into it, into completion, saying, hey, you put the work in, stick with what you did. You know, trust the process using Philadelphia Court, I understand. But like, stick with the work that you did and trust that it'll pay off. Um, and speaking of paying off, what do we think about Minnesota? Uh, going in, I mean, you know, having the number one pick, having the questions surrounding what they would do with that, uh, you know, they literally have the whole board. I think the only one that we definitely knew they weren't going to kind of uh, select was Wiseman, and obviously because of the direct uh, conflict with Carnthony Towns at, at the center position. But basically, they came with number one, number 17, and number 33, and they turned that into Anthony Edwards, Ricky Rubio again, Leandro Bolmer, and Jane McDaniels. What do y'all think about those four, I mean, I'm not I'm not going to lie to y'all. I'm not as on Leandro Bollmeyer as others, but Ricky Rubio returning to back up D'Angelo Russell. Anthony Edwards playing at starting two. Is Malik Beasley out? Like, like how do we feel about that? We can, we can start with you, Lawrence. What do we think about that? Um, well, I think in today's NBA, I think first and foremost, we see that you can never have too much firepower. So even though Malik Beasley looks like he's a mainstay at the two guard as long, I know he, he seems to have caught a case this offseason. Um, hopefully that doesn't affect his availability coming to the year. But um, but in terms of just him being there and them having a solidified backcourt mate to run with D'Angelo, that's great. And then you get a rookie like Anthony Edwards to come in and potentially push as a start at the starting spot. Or maybe he fills in as a Harden type, like when Harden first got to OKC where he played starter minutes coming off the bench. But he was just a super six man. Um, I think that's needed. And then you got Ricky Rubio, who's just steady and a guy who's a who's just a consummate professional. I think with D'Angelo Russell, there's still, even though he seems to have matured a lot, um, especially once he got to Brooklyn, I think there's still some um, hesitancy, I would say, on if he has really, you know, taken on a leadership role and has grown. So if you get Rubio there, you definitely have a guy who kind of stabilizes the locker room um, in the backcourt. And as far as uh, Balmero go, I, I saw that he might not even be coming over here yet. So he might not even be a mm-hmm. contributor, um, you know, immediately. So maybe that maybe that pick is neither here or ne- here or there for the immediate future. But in terms of what they have right now, I mean, it's as good as it's going to get. I mean, they can't say that they don't have any talent at this point. Um, like I, I've been saying, I think having a point guard is the modern day having a franchise quarterback. And everyone needs one. And if and if D'Angelo Russell is everything he seems to have been in Brooklyn, he's going to be a big addition to how they um, how they operate this season. Definitely, Brad. Brad, what do you think about this? I like Anthony Edwards to Minnesota. I know one of the things that a lot of people have been questioning is his drive and maturity. As obviously all all these players are young, you're going to have those question marks. And it was very timely that comments came out as to he doesn't necessarily love the game of basketball. He's just good at it. And that is a very alarming thing to hear on draft day coming out when you're supposed to make this pick and he's supposed to be your number one pick. So one of the things that I would want to see him is just really buy into being great, buy in on the defensive end. And hopefully having some guys who want to win now, Towns is not going to play around with him. Uh, Rubio is not getting younger. D'Lo is maturing, and he had to go through these growing pains too. So it would be kind of great to have Anthony Edwards kind of lean on D'Lo and his experience. Obviously, the 
tumultuous start that he had in L.A. that ultimately got him shipped to Brooklyn, and then he matured, and he used that as a growth opportunity. Hopefully, he doesn't have to go through the hardships. But one of the things I really wanted to look at when Anthony Edwards was drafted was who was in his circle, who was in the room when he got drafted. And it seemed like a lot of homeboys, obviously, with the unfortunate passing of his grandmother and mother at a young age, at the age of 14, losing both of them. You wanted to know who is the you know the voice of wisdom and the guidance that is going to help him through this NBA uh, journey in his in his inner circle. And so I was really interested to see there because the guy has talent. I mean, people compare him to Dwayne Wade. He's extremely athletic, can get to the rim at will. He's a walking bucket. He has a lot of skill, and I and I love what he can provide. Whether I mean they're going to decide on Beasley, but I can see him playing alongside D'Lo. You don't need to put the ball in his hands because obviously his ball handling isn't where D'Lo's is right now. But you can give him the ball; he can get to the rim, score. He needs to improve on the free throw line. But the sky's the limit as far as talent, and they seem like they they we talk about Anthony Edwards, Jaden McDaniels is 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 cut from the same cloth with immense yeah. talent, immense talent. They got some depth at the four or five position. He can be a small ball five and protect the rim. He can shoot. A lot of people compared him to baby KD coming out of high school, but had five, six technicals in the Pac-12 as a freshman last year. Maturity is a big, big thing for Jaden McDaniels. And if he can just be in a system where they're going to – they're not – putting the weight of the world on his shoulders right away, but he's yeah. getting it in bite size. They need to keep him engaged and they need to hold him accountable to his behavior and his body and his body language in uh, Minnesota being a younger team. That's kind of hard right now. So mm-hmm. I was really surprised to see that move. And they got a lot of question mark yeah. moves as far as in the draft, as far as drive, they have high ceiling, but it's a lot of ifs, ands, or buts. So player development is going to be huge for the Minnesota Timberwolves going forward. But all in all, the future is bright. They have good cornerstone pieces. If they can get the right player development there in Minnesota, ultimately they can work to getting back into the playoffs. I'm with you. I'm with you on that completely. I think it's been some interesting moves, how they went about it. Uh, it remains to be seen the finished product, but they're intriguing. You have a lot of wild cards on that team, and – uh, I'm definitely excited to see what's going to happen there. But real quick, I got to get instant reaction uh, from my man Lawrence. Uh, it just three minutes ago, uh, Dallas yes. acquired Philadelphia Josh Richardson and the 36th pick for Seth Curry. I'm crying. What is going on there? there? Oh my goodness! <laughs> oh, I'm crying. You know, I I think I know what that <laughs> what that screams to me is even, and you know how how high I am on Seth Curry. So ultimately, yep. I, I don't like this move, but I understand it from the standpoint that I think they're trying to get better defensively. The dra- drafting Josh Green, I think, was a defensive pick, um, even though he's a guy with upside, with athleticism. He can play in transition. He does. He you know he doesn't shoot it great, but he's respectable. I think he shot like thirty six percent from three. Yeah. But back to the trade. Um, I think it was all about their need defensively. I think they're trying to get better defensively on the wing, and with Josh Richardson. While you don't necessarily get the shooter that Seth Curry is, you still get a very capable score, and then you get a guy who can um, who can get sit in a chair on a defensive end. So I hate to see Seth Curry go, but I understand what they were trying to do. And see, okay, I, and I, I I wanted to bounce it right back to Brad, talk some Hawks real quick, because I have some thoughts on them. But we got to keep it Maverick-centric. So I'm going to kind of get more of your reaction here moving on, because not only did you have that move, but basically – uh, the Mavs were able to get Josh Green, uh, Tyrell Terry, and Josh Richardson um, in, in in this in this uh, draft so far. 
And I can't even imagine a, a lineup with the Luka Doncic, a Tim Hardaway Jr., a Josh Richardson, a, um, a Dorian Finney-Smith, and a, 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 a KP. Like that, the Mavericks have leveled up. I think you're right. The move in particular, I guess it depends on, on what it's about. But like, I, I wow, this is, wow. Like I, that closing lineup could be scary. Yeah, no, I, I agree. I, I, I Like I say, I understand what they're doing. I think they're trying to address defense this offseason. Um, and that's a move that that spells that to me. I think them taking Josh Green spells the same thing to me, even though I, I was uh, really hopeful that they would take R.J. Hampton or mm-hmm. Steve Bay or um, or even Desmond Bain. I wasn't mad at that either. But um, but I see where they went. It wasn't my preference, but I, I can understand. I can see the vision and and what they're trying to do. And they want to get better defensively, which is what I talked to you about um, and what I alluded to on my previous um, hoop ball pod about, yeah. about the Mavericks. They have to get better um, defensively on the perimeter because they on, the only two defenders they had was Dorian Finney-Smith and Maxi Kleber. True, true. And Brad, I mean, the 76 is on their end. I mean, they're stocking up some shooters now. Yes. I mean – uh, they 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 getting some guys. What do you think about Bill? Like it seems like first off, Daryl Morey has wasted no time in making his presence felt with this team. But the second thing is, okay, if they're gonna go around it, they're doing what they should have done the last couple of years and get some guys around. Uh, you know, Joel Embiid and Ben Simmons, and you start with Danny Green. You have um Seth Curry. You have Terrence Ferguson. Like like, do you like how they're kind of going about this here? I like it. They have, I mean, they're adding, they're helping out on the defensive end as well. They're all interchangeable. It can guard multiple positions. And the draft pick of Tyrese Maxey is going to be very underrated as well, who could play the combo guard position and be instant offense for that 76ers lineup. So I really like what, you know, Daryl Morey and uh, Doc Rivers are trying to do. They're trying to add shooting. They're trying to add a little bit of defense outside of, you know, Ben Simmons, who is a really good defender in this league. And then B, when he's engaged, for all of the minutes that he's asked to play in games, a great defender as well. So they're trying to play on both ends of the court, and they're really trying to not take any steps backwards as far as in the East because they know that everybody else is going forward with whatever whatever happens with the Bucks, and if they end up do getting uh, Bogdanovich. But they obviously added Drew Holiday. The Heat are known as a defensive team. You still have the Celtics, and they've been making moves as well. And the Raptors are still a constant in the East. So I I like what they're doing in in Philadelphia. And what a great coach to bring this all together with the style of play that Daryl Morey likes to play. But the player coach that that Doc Rivers is to really try to rein all that in, I think it's a match made in heaven. And I want to speak to the Mavs a little bit, uh, Lawrence. I like the draft moves Mm -hmm. that they're made. And you talk about the emphasis on defense because we already know they were one of the most efficient offenses in NBA history last year. And that's going to continue with the pieces that you have coming back, even with KP potentially not starting until January. But as far as the defensive end, with Steven Silas gone now in Houston, who is basically the architect of that defense, if you're going to lose the architect of a defense, you might as well get the pieces to add to a foundation as far as people who are capable defenders on their own, maybe with out that system they'll probably keep some of the same elements of the system in place in dallas but to add people who can defend and are interchangeable and you still have luca you still have tim hardaway for the mean meantime i like finney smith and i mean brunson as well as your uh, one of the guards uh to back up he's a great young guard as far as just being a pure point guard even if even if he is coming off the bench that's something that it cannot be you know 
overlooked as well. So I really like what, what you guys are doing down in there in Dallas, really focusing on defense to add around the offensive firepower that you already possess. And the, and the future is bright. Even me being a Pelicans fan, I can I can speak well of the Mavericks, even though we have to play them so many times during the year, of just what you guys are really trying to accomplish. <laughs> yeah, I, I like where they're headed too. I mean, I don't think that they're – I think styles make fights. So if we, if they get in the playoffs or when they, when the playoffs start, it'll all depend on who they match up with, how far they will go. I don't think they're a bona fide, no matter who they play, they advance type of team yet. But yeah, I with the defensive presence that they seem to have brought in in the backcourt, and then you don't lose a ton of scoring or shooting ability. Like you bring in Josh Richardson, and hopefully he's um, he doesn't um, have an injury field season like he did last year and was just kind of up and down and inconsistent. Um, but he's a really good player who was on the who was on an uprise and he was really looked at to be a big addition for Philly. It just didn't pan out as well. And then with them going in a different direction, now that they got Maury in office, you know they're gonna prioritize three-point shooting. And Josh Richardson isn't necessarily that's not his calling card, even though he's a very capable three-point shooter. But um, but him coming to Dallas, I think, you know, they play really up tempo, they get up and down. He's another guy who can create off the bounce a little bit. So so again, I understand their their transition from, you know, just having a bunch of guys that can shoot to trying to get some defensive presence um, in the backcourt. And I'm sure they're not done. I'm sure they're still trying to make some moves and maybe get another front court guy. If they get Gallinari, as we mentioned, him being in trade rumors, that's a guy who, you know, he definitely feels the um the uh, need for another shooter and another guy who can create a little bit for himself and not only from from outside but um, from the free throw line and down he can get to the free throw line and he, you can run a lot of different things from him in different sets where he um where he's able to create for himself or others so um so yeah no they they're definitely you know tailoring their offseason towards trying to address a uh, area of need yeah, and, and I want to jump in real quick. Philadelphia, Brent Brown, if you're listening to this, you did not use Josh Richardson efficiently. He's more of a slasher. He can shoot. But when he was in Miami, he was getting assists. He was getting steals. He was getting to the basket, shooting 80% from the free throw line. You, they didn't really use him efficiently. And I know with Rick Carlisle and that staff in Dallas, they're really going to look at his skill set and try to get the most out of him. Because with the shooting that you get, guys have, to have Josh Richardson with the ability to get to the rim and finish, and as well as maybe do a little playmaking with KP when he comes back and some of the other bigs and maybe kick it out to some of those fours and those shooters that you have on the team, I think it's going to ultimately even open up the offense even more and open up even some more lanes for Luka to get to the paint. So it's a bright future in Dallas. I, I can speak very highly of the Mavericks and what they're doing. Yeah, I agree with both what you, um, Lawrence and Brad, said in terms of uh, having a guy in Josh Richardson in Philadelphia whose talents were kind of pushed to the max. He had to be more of an offensive initiator than he usually is. His jump shot's a great uh, additional weapon, but not the, the end-all, be-all. And in Dallas, he can play to his strengths, more like he did in Miami, play tough defense, hit the open J, maybe create some offense in a pinch. You know, uh, I mean, you won't really have to do that, so he has some more uh, flexibility there. And he'll be able to play more within himself. But I, I guess to borrow a line uh, from Lawrence a little bit ago, the Styles make fights, uh, the Hawks have a different style going on right now. Uh, and it all started when they uh, went and picked Nyeke Okongu with the sixth overall pick, even while having John Collins and also having traded a first-round pick for Clint Capella at the deadline. So, like, obviously the Hawks need a defense, right? But I also thought they needed some shooting, you know, some win-now vets. But now they have three big men who they've each invested a little bit of uh, expense in, whether that's money or time or both. 
What do you think about that pick in general, and and how do you see Atlanta moving forward with these guys? Well, Corbin, going into the draft, my top three for the Hawks at six were Isaac Okoro, Onyeka Okongwu, and Tyrese Halliburton. And when Okoro went at five, and reports started circulating that they were going to go for Okongwu, I immediately got excited. Because when you look at this Hawks team with what they currently have, Trey Young is obviously your corner piece. And the the picture that I draw for people when they talk about how you want to structure the Hawks is look at the AI championship when he went to the championship uh, finals, obviously, went to it against the Lakers with the famous step over Tyrone Lue after the shot again. Yeah. And to look at how that team was constructed. You have obviously AI to the stature that he has, but he's obviously your franchise player, i.e. Trey Young for us. He has big, interchangeable players around him who are all defensive-minded. Can They were switchable at that time, so they were a little bit ahead of their time. You have a couple shooters sprinkled in there, and free agency, they're going to get some more shooters. Uh, I know Davis Bertans has been linked to us. Gallinari has also been linked to us. Uh, take that, Lawrence. I'm just kidding. Uh, Donovan, <laughs> uh as a restricted free agent, has been tied to us, and as well as, Lord, the name is drawing a blank, the shooter from the Nets, who is ultimately probably going to stay there, um, Joe Harris? Joe Harris, yeah. He's also been linked to us as well. So we're looking at shooting and prioritizing shooting this offseason, and Rondo's obviously been tied to us so we can get a solidified backup guard. So I liked Isaac Okoro as far as if he came in to be a good perimeter defender and be a guy who can guard positions one through four potentially, and he's smart. And just he's going to go and get it every night. And Cleveland got a wonderful, wonderful guy, wonderful guy in Isaac Okoro. We're really – I was really upset to see him go to Cleveland, but he's because he's not going to back down from a challenge. But Oyeko Okongu is not going to either. He's very skilled. He can guard positions three through five, very athletic. Uh, he was a 74% free throw shooter in college, so that sometimes lends to him getting better as a shooter uh, with the, obviously possessing a pretty good free throw stroke. That's going to help with mid-range game, and hopefully if he can continue to expand his game like John Collins did. So they're going to find ways to get him on the court, especially if he can guard the three and you move Cam Reddish to the two and you spell Hunter or vice versa, depending on what the lineup's. And with us adding Nate McMillan, because defense is the biggest issue for the Hawks last year. We were ranked 30th in points per game for the opponents. The opponents score. When you, when you play Atlanta, you're going you're gonna to have your best game offensively against us because we, we, we couldn't <laughs> stop us. So we couldn't stop the common code if we had a vaccine. And then you're, and you alluded to three-point shooting, which I think we'll address in free agency. And the draft is still not over. We still have a pick at 50 uh, right now. So we can still get some shooting later on in the draft. But I like what they're doing. They're trying to get a big defensive team around Trey Young, some rim runners, to go and get some easy, efficient baskets. You still have John Collins in the meantime, who has also been – people have been intriguing about who shot 40% from three last year, and that's only going to get better. John Morant's talking up on Twitter how watch out for – Cam Reddish this year. They're expecting a big jump, and I'm expecting a big jump from him too. And then you have DeAndre Hunter last year, who had a pretty decent rookie year, a very underrated rookie year by a lot of people's standards. But when you pick that fourth, the numbers that he, uh, he put up last year, people are, are it's, it's right to kind of gripe like, oh, he's not as great. But when you look at his catch and shoot, he was a 38, almost 39% catch and shoot 
from three last year as a rookie. That's very good. So you have his shooting capability at the three. You know Cam Reddish can shoot the three and get to the rim, and they both are not afraid to defend. You have John Collins who can shoot, and he can go get boards and block shots, and you have Capella anchoring the paint who didn't even play um, – minutes last year because he was battling battling injuries and now he's fully healthy and i think that's going to just continue to let john collins move freely from the three-point line to the paint and really has you have a defensive anchor there you can have okongu come off the bench once collins is out and he i think he's going to be a better defender than collins personally and you have them them both switching and you know blocking shots protecting protecting the rim getting boards and pushing the break up to cam up to trey up to herder up to if we get a Rondo. It, it, the sky is truly the limit. I see the Hawks as a playoff team next year, even before free agency. So I like the Okongwu pick. I know some Hawks fans are going to be like, oh, we should have got this, we should have got that. Eh. But I see this as a reincarnation of the Philadelphia 76ers mm-hmm. from 2001. Get a bunch of big guys around Trey Young who can defend, who can, some people can knock down shots. Other people, they just know their role. They're going to do their roles the best to get the most out of this team. And with Nate McMillan helping to restructure this defense, they're going to be better on that end. And he also has a really efficient offense. As If you look at the Pacers numbers last year, they're going to be a little bit more efficient on the offensive end, hopefully with the strides in Cam Reddish's game. And if we can get some shooters, it cuts down the turnovers for Trey Young. So really the sky is the limit for this Hawks team as well. Yeah, it's going to be interesting. You're right. I think you gave a great blueprint on how uh, this team is more than likely assembled. I guess my one question is, is in terms of maybe a secondary offensive initiator, uh, are the Hawks looking for that in free agency? Are they looking for like maybe a KCP in terms of a, a, a guy who's not a shot creator, but a, a shot finisher? Because you're going to have a lot of these defensive guys, a lot of young talent, like you said, some athleticism, some rebounding, some rim running from that center position, a little bit of stretch uh, with Dwayne Dedman, but like, in general, yeah, it's an intriguing lineup for sure. I like Akungu. I really do. I was hoping that he would fall over to Washington. Uh, yeah, I was going to ask you, Lawrence, what, what are your thoughts on that in general? Because uh, Brad's made now made it crystal clear. I had a lot more questions before, but what were you thinking before when you first heard Akungu was going over to Atlanta and then and looking at it a little bit now? Um, I liked it a lot. I, I mean, I ultimately, I think down the road, he's the more long-term answer. Uh, Clint Capella's really limited in terms of being able to switch out on ball screens and being a guy that that can have a little more offensive versatility. Aneka can actually shoot a little bit. He can put it on the ground maybe once or twice if he gets it out of the pick and roll set, something Clint Capella really struggles with um, because a lot of times when teams defend the, the Hawks, that high pick and roll, obviously when, when Trey Young has to throw it out of the pick and roll, you just have that downhill space where you just see the entire court, and it's almost, it's almost like a, a, a half-court fast break going downhill. Clint Capella doesn't do that well. Um, Harden got really frustrated with him, and, and they got exposed in the playoffs because of that. So if you can have a little bit of versatility on that end, you got Deadman coming off the bench, you got um, Oneka coming off the bench, and another guy who can play starter minutes and play, you know, situational basketball in different games, I, I think is it's it's just a good fit. And you already have a ton of guard play. I mean, if uh, if Reddish is supposed to be what we all think he's he's projected to come, uh, you know, to continue to improve and, and become, and then you still got Kevin Horder or or even um, if they bring in, um, like they're saying, a Joe Harris type, you still have shooting on the perimeter. So I don't think they're hurting in the guard space. 
And rumor has it they might bring in Rajon Rondo. So that's just another creator, as you were as you were mentioning, somebody who can be a secondary ball handler, can even play with uh, Trey Young at times, as we know in the new NBA, two point guards on the court is not um, is not you know defensive suicide, so to speak. So um, so I, I like what they did with that pick. I liked it because I think they needed a big more so than they needed a um, guard. But I mean, only time will tell. But I, I really like Aneka's skill set and what he can bring to the Hawks. I'm with you on that. He's someone that's very intriguing. Uh, I think his skill set is one that you, you kind of saw the Bam out of bio comparisons. Uh, we already talked about his defensive side. Yeah, you've been looking at a lot of Akonwu. I mean, we've all checked them out. But uh, on the defensive side, the offensive side, what are you more excited about? And and if it is a defensive side, which I figure to go with, like what do you see him kind of slotting in, especially alongside of John Collins or, or alongside of Clint Capella? I'm really more excited on the defensive end just with his ability to protect the rim. He can guard positions three through five, like I said, and with his shooting stroke looking fairly well early is only lending to him being a better shooter down the road like John Collins developed because like like you, like Lawrence alluded to, Capella is only going to be here for however long he's going to be here, and we're going to get try to get the maximum usage out of him while he's here because uh, Okongwu can definitely be the future, especially with small ball fives as the norm in this NBA. He can be the guy to anchor it. And I would, I mean, I wouldn't mind having two athletic six, nine guys at, at the four and the five locking down the paint, but able to stretch the floor as well. And then we can get, and Bruno Fernando is still on his roster. And I think Bruno Fernando is going to have a really great second year as well. And he's a good room protector. The only thing if his, his problem is defensive awareness. If it's, if you look on 2k, his if his defense awareness is anything over 60, you need the right 2k because there was plays, there was times last year where he looked locked mm-hmm. on, lost in a defensive end, but he started playing the game late. And he's going to learn more being in situational defense, playing behind Capella, playing with Collins for another year. And even Okongwu, who got a little bit more institutional knowledge, playing more here in the States longer than Fernando, competition breeds aggression. And the competition is only going to make make everyone better in the front court for Atlantic. So I I really like that. And back to the playmaker, the another guard, ball handler, the best news that the Hawks could have heard today was the fact that Bogdanovich didn't necessarily did not agree to the deal to Milwaukee. So there's still an opportunity for, as he's going to be a restricted free agent, for teams to offer up a contract and he can go to the suitor that he feels best. And it may not be Milwaukee, like everyone speculated, reported a couple days ago. It could be Atlanta with the cap space that we do have. And at first, I was hesitant on that. But now that we got Okongwu, and now Okoro here in Atlanta after the draft, I can I say, hey, let's go for it. Bogdanovich is, is a good player. He can shoot the three. We've seen him take over games, play make for others. And he's been a winner at every single level except for it in Sacramento. Mm-hmm. Uh, sorry, Jill, if you're hearing this. Uh, <laughs> I'm talking about Sacramento. But we have the money to offer him and still get other shooters like a Bertans at the four to continue to space the floor around these really good defenders who can be interchangeable at the perimeter and obviously protect the rim and still not cut into the development of DeAndre Hunter and Cam Reddish. Yeah, that's true. I think that's a, a, well, a more nuanced take on it in general. And they're going to be one of the intriguing teams to watch, one of many. And I think that kind of leads us to a more of a holistic overview of the draft so far. Uh, gentlemen, we've seen a lot going on. It didn't seem like there was a lot of traction in terms of trades. There was all of these rumors going in of teams trying to move down and teams trying to move up. And then, like, the first 10 picks were 
just as expected, just maybe surprising in terms of who was selected. But let's kind of, in closing out, let's kind of get a, a quick um, winners-losers type deal. And let's We'll start with the losers first, kind of get them out the way. Uh, so far, uh, we can just start with you, Lawrence. Who do you see as the losers from this draft as, as we're kind of winding down with it? Um, I think really early projection on loser, I think the, the Suns. I'm not sure. Yeah. I'm not sure if Jalen Smith is the answer. I mean, again, it's another one of those situations where I understand the vision. I just don't agree with the execution of that. I think there definitely was more talent on the board. And for them, I think, you know, I understand that they they got a lot of stock in Cam Johnson. Um, they really feel good about, obviously, Devin Booker. Um, you know, DeAndre Aiden is already their solidified center. And going small ball, I mean, you might even have Cam Johnson playing the four or, you know, the three. And I don't I don't know. I th- and, and obviously they still have bridges. So they, they're really high on both of those guys. And so they were trying to get another high motor rebounder, shot blocker, defender type. I just don't know if that was the ideal pick at that spot. But, you know, they, they've been watching this guy more than I have. I can't pretend that I've seen a ton of Jalen Smith. But the um, the bit that I have seen of him. That was a little underwhelming of a pick for me at 10. I'm kind of there with you. I'm going to reserve a little bit of judgment only because I just totally trashed the Suns last year when it's like the Cam Johnson so early. <laughs> and then obviously, you know, it didn't work out super bad. In fact, he played a, a really big role for the Suns down the stretch, uh, especially in the Orlando portion of the bubble. Uh, uh, Brad, who do you see as a loser so far? Before I talk about my loser, I'm going to defend Jalen Smith a little bit because when I watch, I watch a lot of Jalen Smith film just because I saw him as a potential trade back scenario for the Hawks as a as a stretch four, oh, wow. stretch five shooter who can rim protect. He reminds me a lot, and he had a lot of comparisons to Taj Gibson, which obviously you guys know basketball. Taj Gibson is very effective at his role, especially offensively, and if he can get you boards and block some shots and spell, who I think he'll be a little bit better defender, especially if he's coming off your bench behind uh, Cam Johnson, or if you're spelling DeAndre, he can be a pretty good defender and still go out to the three-point line, especially the corner three where he was really effective in college. And, and kind of continue to space the floor in Phoenix to give lanes for Chris Paul, give lanes for Booker and others, Mikhail Bridges, who likes to get to the rim. So I, I, I didn't I did not see him at 10. I definitely saw Devin Vassell there at 10. So I can see why you say that's a loser. But I'm going to defend Jalen Smith. And, and I think I think he'll work out because Tosh Gibson is a very frustrating player. You watch him. He looks stiff. You're like, how is he shooting over defenders? Because – one thing about Jalen Smith, he has like a seven two, seven three, maybe even seven four uh, wingspan. So even though he's a little shorter, he has long arms and his high release. He's going to be able to shoot over a lot of people. So, but for me as the loser for this draft, I'm probably me personally. I'm gonna I'm gonna have to go with. Oh wow, this is a this is this is a tough one. This I I hate to say this. But I'm gonna have to go with the Knicks. I'm gonna have okay. to go with the Knicks. Uh, I thought that at eight. I mean, I, I like Obi Toppin. Uh, he's gonna be great offensively. And even though he has some question marks in the defensive end with foot speed, with him being such a smart player, he's gonna be the type of guy who's always gonna be in the right position defensively because he's gonna watch film. He's gonna study the game. He's gonna make sure he's doing the right things. And he has the ability to stretch the floor. He's gonna he's gonna be very talented scoring forward in this league. But defense is gonna be a question mark. And when you're at eight, even as great as Obi Toppin was, and you and they had him high on their draft board, 
you need a guard, and Tyrese Halliburton is still there. Like I, that was Tyrese Halliburton going twelve was the biggest head scratcher in the draft because I had him going potentially four to Chicago, if not potentially Atlanta getting him at six, Detroit at seven, and they got Killian Hayes. He just kept falling and falling, and he is to me is going to be outside of Lamelo Ball depending on how that works out. And Charlotte, he's going to be the best guard in this draft, hands down. He's going to be the best point guard in this draft. And I really thought that even though Obi Toppin is going to put some butts in the seat whenever they can put butts in the seats at Madison Square Garden, Tyrese Halliburton was the guy that you should have drafted at eight, and the Knicks did not do it. But that's just the Knicks. Hey, I'm with you. Knicks are going to Knicks. As a native New Yorker myself, I've just come to expect it. I mean, Spike Lee was over uh, rooting for the Knicks, as he usually does, but he was actually with Greg Anthony cheering along uh, – you know, Cole Anthony for, for Orlando. So I think at this point, we kind of know New York's going to do what New York's going to do. Uh, and we just kind of shake our heads at it. Just like Phoenix has been uh, starting to become a trendsetter, making very questionable early picks that may or may not work out. So I'm with y'all on both in terms of seeing those potential losers. But um, we're going to keep it over to you real quick, uh, Brad, and then chop on Lawrence. Who's a winner? There's been a few teams so far that I think would, uh, would line up as candidates for that. I definitely am intrigued to hear what you and uh, Lawrence have to say about it. The winner for me in this draft is the San Antonio Spurs. Getting Devin Vassell at 11 with DeMar DeRozan pretty much one foot in, one foot out, we're gonna, they're going to have to decide, and they already have the young guards that they have in place there. I really like Devin Vassell to the Spurs. He's a guy who's constantly improved. He was one of my favorite players in the draft, a very efficient player, good defender, good shooter, and he's a guy that continually improved. He was not highly recruited out of college, as they talked about in the draft broadcast. He got an opportunity to go to Florida State and improved each year. was a 42% three-point shooter at Florida State and was a a closer, a finisher. He can defend, get blocked, steals. At the two-guard position, he can guard positions – two through four, and maybe even one. So he has a lot of versatility, and you're going to a situation in San Antonio where they're definitely on a rebuild. They have good young guards in place, and you have a good defender at the three who can play the four sometimes, who can shoot the three like he like he does, and he's a hard worker. I really like what the Spurs did in getting Devin Vassell at 11 because I had him potentially going higher than that. But then a lot of people saw him at 10 to Phoenix, and then with – when Phoenix did take Jalen Smith, I was like, wow, the Spurs are going to get for sell. And then, boom, it happened. So, definitely Spurs, but a quick second. Second place would be the Kings. Shout out to Jill again. Getting Tyrese Halliburton, who I already talked about before. So, uh, th- those would be the winners in the draft for me. I feel you on that, definitely. Those are some solid choices. Lawrence, what do you got? So, I, I have two, two teams that I think are basically equal winners to me. I think the first one being Miami Heat getting Precious Achunwa. You know how I spoke about him in our previous pod, Corbin, and how I about him. Yeah. And I, I just think Miami, I think they just they just got a strength just got stronger. And that's defensive versatility. Um, and I know they were having nightmares about seeing um seeing Andre Iguodala playing backup five in the playoffs and having precious there. I think that's just I think that's just a match made in heaven. Another guy who can defend, another guy who can rebound, another shot blocking type. Um, a poor man's uh, bam, so to speak, um, and just gritty, and he just fits that culture. And what he and, and I think that when people look back on this draft and see his contribution, people are going to say, "How did he not, you know, go earlier?" Because again, size and versatility is the name of the game, and they got that with uh, Precious. So I really like that pick. 
Um, the other guy that I want to say is uh, RJ Hampton, who originally I was really ecstatic for him going to Milwaukee, but I think he is now a Denver Nugget. And he was a, mm-hmm. and that's a win for either team. If he would have, I really wish he would have stayed in Milwaukee because I want them to load up as much as possible. I'm really rooting for Greek to, you know, really make some noise in the playoffs, which is a separate story. But the Denver Nuggets <laughs> getting him is major because they need some, they need backcourt help. Um, in terms of um, offensive creator, playmaking ability. Gary Harris is a defensive guy. Monty Morris is a backup point guard who's more facilitator and, you know, just spark plug more th- more so than a than a creator. I think R.J. Hampton, to, to me, he is going to be one of the guys that we look back on as well and say, how did he not go higher? I think it was just simply, you know, fanfare and the fact that he went under the radar that he wasn't um, – a little, little more regarded in this draft, but he is a high-level contributor that I think um, is really going to do well in in that system. Oh yeah, no, that's another good solid uh, uh, pick there as far as someone to discuss there, Lawrence. Because yeah, we have some interesting moves. It's been, it's been a day. It's been a day. I mean, the last hour they're still going on at this point. We're, as we wind down here, they still got like 10, 12 more picks going on. Uh, for me, I will say I liked Isaac Okoro in Cleveland. Um, I, I was really high on Yeke Kungu with the I was I was really high of Aleka Kungu being selected so early. I wasn't super high on him going to Atlanta, but thanks to Brad of Hoopball Hawks, you know, I'm I'm totally on board with that now. Uh I was really just supremely confident Anthony Edwards. I do like his fit in Minnesota. I think the moves around there only helped to further stabilize their backcourt. He's not going to have to be, you know, put in from day one uh, as the guy. You're going to have a lot of offensive people that you can just come and slot in and, and be effective in your role. It remains to be seen what they do with Malik Beasley, but it looks pretty solid there. Uh, Denny Advija uh, for the Wizards is interesting. Apparently he was high on their board. Uh, I don't really know how I think about that. Jalen Smith, same thing for Phoenix. I love Devin Vassell to San Antonio, and I love Tyrese Halliburton to the Kings. In fact, the Kings with Halliburton and 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 um, I'm I'm, I'm blanking on the name De'Aaron Fox. There we go. Fox, I yeah. think they're pretty intriguing. I agree. I agree as well. I like that because they both have the ability to have the ball in their hands, and both are comfortable playing off the ball as well. Especially Tyrese Halliburton more so than De'Aaron Fox, and with potentially Bogdanovich being out the door if they happen to have teams that put offers out there for Bogdanovich and he happens to leave, like come to Atlanta, come to Atlanta. I'm going to keep saying that. Um, <laughs> Tyrese Halliburton is a wonderful piece for their future to go alongside of De'Aaron Fox. I like that. They can both, they can both pass. They can both, both shoot Tyrese Halliburton, a better shooter, and they're both not afraid to defend. So that's a really, really good backcourt in Sacramento, especially having a rough couple days with, Thinking Bogdanovich is out the door. Now he's not, but now he might be. But Tyrese Halliburton is something that can, you know, wipe the tears off your face. <laughs> I would also a sleeper pick, though, for me is um, watch out for Cole Anthony get, going to Orlando. I think that was a great pick for them. Um, and a lot of yes, people forget. Yes. A lot of people forget Cole Anthony was regard early, early before college basketball started. He was he was talked about as a guy who was a top three pick. And, you know, he had an up-and-down year. Ultimately, I don't think he was a great fit with UNC. He was fighting injury. Another guy who I think game was more suited for the pros than it is college. But that's a huge um, pickup for a team who was picking at 15. 
and could really use some backcourt um, scoring and playmaking with uh, Markel Fultz being there, not necessarily being, you know, a complete stud on the on the offensive end, but to get a guy like Cole Anthony, who if he's everything it seems like he was made out to be in his in his early days, that's going to be a, a big time pickup for them um, in their backcourt. Oh, yeah, most definitely. Most definitely. I'm. I think that in oh by the way, uh we just had Nico Mannion. he'll be going to the Golden State Warriors. I think that's a nice uh uh oh, wow. backup. That's yeah. that's a backup pick. Right, exactly. Especially for a guy who, you know, had some poise on that end. Uh good kind of vet as far as uh someone who played well in college. He's going on a team where hey he can contribute. I've actually liked Golden State's moves a lot more uh this year than I did last year in terms of, you know, hey, is it, you're not you're not used to selecting so high or whatever, but making the most of your picks, you know. And it remains to be seen again how it's going to come together uh, with the James Wiseman. But I, I think Golden State's a team that I, I'm definitely going to be looking at moving forward. In, in fact, just as we kind of go on here, what teams now, if they weren't already on your radar, are definitely on your radar based on the the player they picked up, the move that was made, uh, you know, something that they did tonight that is going to definitely put them up in your in your league pass rankings or whatever the case may be. I'm a lot more interested in Philadelphia than I was before. Uh, I know for a fact I'm definitely going to be watching some Dallas now and Atlanta as well just because you went from a bad team that was, you know, just trying to, um, you know, kind of find some footing to now make some real interesting moves to set themselves up long term. But uh, let's, let's start with Brad. What, what teams are you looking at now that are on your radar more so than they were? So outside of Atlanta, which is, is a little biased there, um, I'm going to say one team that's on my radar for the wrong reasons and one team that's on my radar for the right reasons. For the wrong reasons, and not that this was a wrong pick, they had to, they went with the best talent at this position. I'm interested to see what the Hornets are going to do with LaMelo Ball. I was going to pose the question to you guys about LaMelo Ball's fit there and if LaVar is going to do that one-on-one game with Michael Jordan for a halftime show in Charlotte at some point, which I would definitely be tuning in for that. But you already have Terry Rozier. Uh, Graham arguably could have been most improved player last year. He's going to come in and be a great passer. And I spent an extensive amount of time defending LaMelo Ball in a group chat before I got on here. As a lot of people say, oh, he's immature. His shot selection is bad. He shot uh-huh. this from three, but people need to remember the kid is 19 years old. And a lot of these people har- uh, harbor this harsh criticism towards LaMelo Ball because of his father, and they just don't like LeVar. And people need, people forget that this is a 19-year-old kid that's yeah. still trying to be grow into a man off the court and on the court. He's going to continue to physically mature. He's going to continue to work on his shot. He needs to be bought in on both ends of the court in Charlotte. So with us playing Charlotte a lot here in Atlanta, I have the pleasure of watching LaMelo Ball a lot. I'm really interested to see them with the history, obviously, of Charlotte and MJ not doing a really good job at player personnel, and that's yet to be seen. This might be their best pick in years. We'll see what he does with the pieces around him. Um, MJ, I'm calling you out. Um, Take it personally. Please take it personally. Maybe you'll do something better. But as far as for the right reasons, (laughs) I'm really interested to see the Wizards. I'm really interested to see the Wizards getting my boy. Danny, I see you. Danny Avia. You still got Roy Hachimura. You still got Beal. You still got Thomas Bryant. Hopefully, they're going to try to bring back Bertans. If not, we'll see. But John Wall is healthy. I know there's reports of shopping him. But it's going to be very interesting to see because, you know, Beal is a shooter, but he was creating for others at times. John Wall, when he's healthy, he'll get you 18, 20 points and 12 assists per game. Rui Hachimura had a really underrated rookie year and really looked well in the bubble. 
Danny V is going to come in and he's going to be able to shoot. He needs to get a little bit better at shooting, but he's going to play make as well and create for others. And I think that's really going to be a wonderful two-man game, potentially with him and Rory Hachimura and then Thomas Bryan, who has the ability to shoot the three and also rim protect and score around the rim with efficiency. So I'm really interested to see what the Wizards look like because I talked about it's going to be a struggle for that eight seed in the East. As I said, that the Hawks are going to be there, but the Hawks are going to have to we're going to have to see what's up with the Bulls. We're going to have to see what's up with the Wizards. The Magic are going to be there as well. It's going to be a grind for that AC. And the Wizards could have an opportunity as they were in the bubble last year without John Wall hurt. And obviously, Troy Brown Jr. had a wonderful year as last year. But they were in the bubble, even though they had they were a few games back from the eight. But, you know, who knows? Who knows? And they still got, you know, two all-stars on that team at minimum. Yeah, that that is for sure. It's going to be interesting to see kind of how they go. Uh, moving forward with that uh Lawrence what do you have yeah I'm, I'm like you the first team you mentioned was Philly and I'm I'm very interested to see the new look Philly Ben Simmons has shooters around him now they're built a lot more like um you know a couple of seasons ago when they had JJ Redick and um forget my guy from the Spurs that was that was there um who um uh Marco Ballinelli yeah yeah exactly when they had him and then they had uh, Ilya Sova, so they so now they got some more shooting over there. So I'm really interested to see the new look uh, Sixers, but I'm also interested. <clears throat> I'm also interested in the um, in the Hornets, just like just like uh, Brad mentioned. I think that Lamelo Ball, obviously he's he's just he's just box office attraction by himself. But you know they got some good young talent over there, and I'm sure they're not done making moves because I don't know how you how you continue to roster him along with Terry Rozier, along with Devontae Graham, who, you know, that's just a lot of, that's just a lot of point guards. And I don't know how that all fits in. You just paid Terry Rozier a lot of money. Devontae Graham, you can't sit him. So it's just going to be an interesting dynamic to see how they fit that all together. But overall, I think that's a, a, you know, a young up and coming, exciting team that now has a little bit of uh, star power. That makes you want to tune in. They're all—it's almost a little reminiscent of of the Hawks when they first got Trey Young. I think you you wanted to tune in. You knew they weren't going to be great, but you just want to see what they look like on a nightly basis. And that and that Hornets team—they're gonna—they're they're gonna put up points and they're gonna be a problem. They might lose more games than they win, obviously, but they won't be an easy out on a nightly basis. No, that is one thing that they most certainly will not be. All right, gentlemen. So we've been kind of rolling on here for a little bit, almost a good solid hour. That's kind of crazy. Um. Aside from plugging your great shows, you guys have any things that uh, you want to just kind of get your final thoughts out before, you know, you take a little bit more time, let your thoughts marinate and, and bust out some more content on your own shows? Uh, we can start with Brad and then kind of go to Lauren. So in addition to sharing, obviously, why your shows are so dope, obviously, you've both been on NBA Today, talked about your teams. We've had great conversations. Just know off the top, y'all both will be back. But um, <laughs> let the people know, let the people know uh, what they need to be tuning in for and then just kind of drop any last, like, you know, hot takes, uh, final thoughts, whatever you guys got. Um, I think for me, I think Patrick Williams is, is a guy who will be talked about a lot here coming in the post draft. And like um, you, I, and um, and Brad spoke about, I know you guys weren't as high on Patrick Williams, but I think he's a great pick for them. I think with Billy Donovan over there and his ability to, to, to develop guys, I think it's a great fit. I think that, you know, with his size and athleticism, tenacity, ability to score, I just think he has all the ingredients to to look back on this draft and be like, wow, no, that was a good pick at four. 
Um, and then upcoming, obviously, with with the post-draft breakdown, get some of the moves that are going to be made for Dallas. Um, I'll definitely be talking about that on Hoopball Mavs, covering some of that action and, and some of the stuff that's going on and, and kind of their direction and what they seem to be doing, which is prioritizing defense this offseason, but also not losing a lot um, on the offensive end. So I think they've made some good, some good wise moves. And, and, and again, like I said about Josh Green, I didn't that wasn't my preferred pick, but I understand the pick. I don't think it was a bad pick by any means. So um, so I'm, I'm definitely interested to see how that plays out. Obviously, we don't have any we don't have a, uh, a summer league to to evaluate guys like we like we do mostly every year. But I'll definitely be you know tuned into his progression and seeing how he fits in with this team and, and how much, you know, how much rope they give him early. Cause a lot of times, you know, with these rookies, they have to earn it or they just don't play a lot. And, and there's just guys in front of them. But I think there's immediate uh, contribution opportunity for him um, on this team, especially for a guy who can um, play defensively. Yeah, I agree. I think that he's someone, I mean, for me, I liked him. He was someone that I was, um, what is what is the word? I I liked him. I just didn't think he was someone so early. I guess almost some parallels there. Not as wild as uh, Jalen Smith by Phoenix so, so quickly, you know. But yeah, no, I liked him. I just didn't think that um he should have went as as high as he did. But if a team likes him, they know what they're looking for. They feel that he fits that need for them. Then I guess you know there isn't a reason to kind of delay in knowing where you want to go and just getting after it. So I guess all in all, I really can't be too um shocked or dismayed by it and, and i'm not I'm, i was just rather um confused by the whole move but um it, it was interesting it was interesting looking on this draft now it, it definitely wasn't as heavy on the trades as i imagined that it would be i really thought we'd see guys uh you know like a james harden maybe talked about definitely someone like a westbrook moved uh houston made moves but they're a little more interesting than than what i had imagined in terms of just moving uh Trevor Ariza to the Pistons. Uh, also, Houston just selected Kenyon Martin Jr., uh, so that's kind of neat. Um, uh, Houston, who did? I like that. Um, oh, okay. having a guy well, like yeah. Kenyon Martin, I mean, they're, they're going to need some players because no one wants to be there anymore. So, I, I'm a sucker for guys I used to watch. You know, granted, by the time I really started watching Kenyon Martin, his best days were behind him. But uh, you know, I saw him in Denver. I saw him in New York. I saw a little bit of Milwaukee. I definitely caught a little bit of them in. Uh, well, I didn't catch a little bit. I caught a lot of them in the Big Three. So, uh, you know, it's kind of cool to see his son carrying on. Uh, Brad, you back in? Yes, I'm back in. Sorry about that. Um, bad, <laughs> bad internet connection. Hey, man. Yeah, bad internet connection over here for some reason. And I think my sister is definitely gaming late right now. Cool, cool. Oh, yeah. But I'll just, I'll just add on to what you said. Yeah, you were pretty bummed out. I think yeah. you thought there was going to be uh-huh. a lot more action on the trade side <laughs> in here. Uh-huh. But yeah. there just wasn't well, as much uh-huh. of that. Brad, go at it, plug your show, plug what's going on, and then I'm going to go, okay, Lawrence, and you plug your show, plug what's going on, and then I'm just going to close it to the top because uh, it seems like they're trying to let us know that it's uh, time to get back to those final picks in the second round. So uh, <laughs> real quick, Brad. <laughs> yes, sir. I appreciate you, man. Real quick, Brad, tell us uh, where we can find you, where we can find more reactions, and uh, what you're going to be talking on your next show, and then I'll go bounce to Lawrence. Yeah, I appreciate being on with you guys. Um, you guys are both great at what you do here for the network. Uh, you guys can find me uh, as far into the Hawks. We're going to talk more Hawks tomorrow. And so you can follow us at HoopBallHawks on Twitter. That is at HoopBallHawks. And you can follow myself at Brad Jarrett67. That's Brad 
J-A-R-R-E-T-T-6-7 to look out for the latest episodes as we're going to talk about the wonderful draft pick at Skyler Mays, former LSU Tiger, go Tigers, baby, coming to Atlanta, and as well as some of the other moves in the draft. So it's always a pleasure being on with you, Corbin. Sorry about the audio, but I'm just here to bless your listeners with the best from the East. Hey, and we love that, and I appreciate that. And, I mean, me and Lawrence were just happy to be able to come on with you and, and have you on as well. This has been a great little collaboration here, so we got to do it again. Uh, Lawrence, uh, plug people on where we can find you and your work and uh, what's going to be moving on for you. Yep, same here. I'll be I'll be covering everything Dallas Mavericks um, post-draft, um, either tomorrow or the day after. I kind of want to let it breathe so we can see if any of the trades happen as well. That way I can get it all into one pod, but – um, you can catch me on Twitter at LB said it. That's LB literally said it S A I D. And then obviously at Hoopball Mavs, um, I'll continue to um, pump out content for that and uh, dig into the off season as we ramp up and get it, get moving towards the preseason. And obviously um, any, any moves going along, as we know, free agency will be happening here soon as well. So, um, so everything Mavs that's coming down the line, I will continue to cover I'll continue to tweet and I'll continue to keep everyone updated. Hey, that sounds perfect to us. I definitely appreciate you coming on as well. We had a lot of fun here in this uh, real quick hour so far, but it's been a blast. Definitely make sure to check out these two great guys and their work. Um, They'll definitely be on NBA Today. Speaking of NBA Today, you can find me on Twitter at Corbin NBA. If you like Post losing NBA money, podcast, turn this off got a right now. Guys. Uh, but if you love everything, just like Super Future, uh, podcast, then keep listening. And Sports betting is getting huge across the nation. All of my homies love to bet on games. The draft guys. There are a the bunch of sites out there for the sports betting, the but all of my homies love Football my bookie. Everything Why? Level up because it's so easy to and since y'all my homies too, respect. I'm a plug. So definitely make sure to check all out my homies listening right now can sign up for my bookie with the promo code Hoopball to unlock a 100% deposit match bonus. 100% just like an A-plus in school. Hopefully you got them, but if not, this your chance to get 100%. You like playing blackjack? There are some very fun and free blackjack tournaments, and that's just the tip of the iceberg. There is so much that you can do on my bookie, and the best thing is, is that no cash is required to enter, and you can win up to $100 in daily challenges and up to $1,000 in weekly tournaments. So you want a chance at free cash money? Then again, my homies, sign up with the promo code HOOPBALL to unlock a 100% deposit match bonus and try to score some in the words of future, like I said earlier, free band, free band.